0: Hi everyone, I'm Lindsay Lavallee.
1: And I'm Bill Wolf.
0: And welcome to our first episode of Rush Hour, the congestion of human trafficking in America. In this podcast, we will address the problem that is human trafficking, not only to spread awareness, but to share information that will help keep you and your community safe. Rush Hour is brought to you by The Wolf Group, powered by E-Tactics. So how's your day going, Bill?
1: Pretty good. How about you, Lindsay?
0: Going well. Going well. Are you home today or are you traveling the world?
1: You know, uh, I'm home today and then uh, actually head out this evening and traveling the rest of the week. So it's uh, busy, busy weeks now that travel's picking back up.
0: So thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Excited to uh, dive into this topic of human trafficking
1: yeah it's such an important topic and you know thankful thankful to you and and your whole team at e-tactics for for really diving into this issue and helping to raise awareness
0: yeah it's it's very exciting stuff i don't think this was at all what i thought i would be doing when i started at e-tactics but i think it's really exciting um and just very excited to know you and Learn more about human trafficking and just be part of the solution.
1: Well, Lindsay, I, I can tell you that that you're not alone. I've I've been in the human trafficking field for for many years, too long to to count, and I can tell you that that so many uh, folks that are working in this field have sort of that similar experience, right? They never they never thought they would be intersecting with human trafficking or that their career would be focused uh, on this particular issue, but. Uh, somehow some really great people like you and and some of my other colleagues out there you know are are drawn into this issue and and now we're all kind of joining together to fight the good fight
0: for sure I think you and I have had several conversations in the past but it's amazing to me that for-profit organizations and nonprofit organizations and government affiliates really it's going to take everyone to just come together to counteract this I'll just dive in. What exactly is human trafficking? I mean, we—it's kind of a newer buzzword that we're hearing these days. But what is it? When did you first hear about it? How did you get into this world of human trafficking?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of we—we we hear the words human trafficking a lot now, right, in the news and in other uh, in other areas. And I think. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of confusion around what it really is. But the definition that I like to use is compelling a person to engage in either forced labor or commercial sex. That's really a very simple and straightforward definition, right? And it's about, you know, manipulating or tricking others to do things that they don't want to do. And these traffickers, these other individuals that are out there are really using people and using their labor to make money. You know, there's a lot of different kind of industries that intersect with this issue of human trafficking. Of course, we talk about the commercial sex industry. Historically, we've called that prostitution, right? But there's also a lot of other areas where we encounter human trafficking, but we just don't know. Uh, labor trafficking can be in residential or domestic servitude type situations. It can be in restaurants, in spas, cantinas, nail salons, in so many different places. But the reality is, is that human trafficking is all around us. Now, one thing I did want to just point out is what it's not. And it's not the the image of a white work van pulling up and kidnapping people off the street corners or or people being abducted. Do those scenarios happen? Certainly they do, but they are a, very, a small fraction of the actual cases of human trafficking that exist. The majority of cases that are out there is really where it's, it's a relationship, it's somebody that's known to the, the intended victim, and they use that relationship to manipulate and coerce them into an exploitive scenario
0: i think you've mentioned in the past as well that there's also the misconception that that it has to do with borders you know and just folks coming over the border that and that kind of thing and that's not necessarily a huge or large portion of it either do you want to touch on that a
1: little bit Yeah, I think it's so important to understand, you know, that when people cross borders into other countries, that in and of itself is not human trafficking, right? That is oftentimes it involves human smuggling. And certainly those individuals that are crossing against the immigration laws of that country are certainly vulnerable and at risk to be trafficked. Because at its core, Human trafficking is all about taking advantage of somebody's vulnerability to exploit them for profit. When somebody comes across the border, it's not that commercial exchange, right? But the trafficking happens when that individual, unfamiliar with labor laws in the host country, like the United States, is then exploited and made to work for a dollar an hour or live in harsh conditions or under the threat You know, oftentimes in the labor trafficking scenario, we see quote unquote employers that are threatening their employees to call immigration and have them deported. If they don't work long hours or work without breaks or work for very small wages or sometimes no wages at all, these are the exploitive situations that constitute human traffic.
0: Sure. Thank you for clarifying that. That that's really interesting as I again, I think we all think of different movies we've seen and we may think of human trafficking as, like you mentioned, smuggling, or we may think of it as sex workers or exploitation, not necessarily the labor trafficking side of it. Um, so, Bill, I understand you have quite the resume when it comes to fighting against human trafficking. Do you mind telling us a little bit more of that about that, about how you got into this? How did you land in the middle of this topic?
1: Yeah, so I, it's such a good point. You know, I mean, like I was talking about earlier, so many of us in the space, you know, had no idea that this is where our life would end up Uh, after graduating college i went into law enforcement i was a police officer um i was a a uniform patrol officer and then became a, a gang detective and it was in working gangs when i first encountered human trafficking but the reality is lindsay i had no idea that that is what i was actually encountering we were collecting the evidence and we went to the prosecutor's office and said hey this is this is what's going on and as we described it, the prosecutor looked at us and said, "Well, you've got a great human trafficking case." And I remember my partner and I looked at each other and said, "What the heck is human trafficking?" <laughs> right. We had no idea. You know, we, we had never been trained in this issue of human trafficking. We didn't even really understand what it was. So it was um, well over a decade ago, and. Uh, it was in working, uh, you know, that that case against MS13 that I encountered that first case, and what we found is we had an informant that was uh, feeding us information, right? Trying, we were we were trying to interdict and and figure out, you know, what was happening and what types of crimes they were involved in. And so the gang had him driving around girls that were engaged in, like I described at the time, we thought it was just prostitution, right? Mm-hmm. Commercial sex. And we really didn't understand the force, fraud, and coercion aspect. And we certainly weren't thinking about the fact that these may be very young girls that are being exploited in this scenario. And I remember the the informant called me one night and he said, Wolf, look, uh, this girl that I'm driving around tonight, she looks really young. I'm not comfortable. And so we went out, we interdicted that situation. Sure enough, we found out it was a 16 year old girl.
0: Wow. That
1: was the first time that I had ever really encountered that, that scenario. And again, you know, kind of reflecting back on my career and knowing what I know now, I'm sure that many other people, many of the other individuals that I encountered that were engaged in commercial sex work may very well have been under the age of 18. May very well have been forced, defrauded, or coerced into that situation. I just didn't know what to look for, or I sure. didn't know the questions to ask. And I think that's that's incredibly important because when you think about the laws in in the United States and in in many states individually, when we talk about prostitution laws, those laws were written under the the idea that the person engaged in that activity was consenting. They were, they were part of, uh, you know, the whole enterprise itself, and we've learned that the individuals that are actually consenting to engage in commercial sex is a very small percentage of those that are actually out there, and they're being coerced, forced, or defrauded into these types of situations.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's a great point as well. Um, just you've mentioned in the past as well that that police officers or law enforcement officers may encounter what they think is a prostitute and handle it as a prostitution scenario and not even consider the fact that it's a human trafficking scenario which changes obviously should change their approach um to the entire entire situation on how they deal with with that that individual can you touch on that a little bit
1: yeah, you know, you you think about and and certainly I've had the privilege and honor to work alongside so many survivors of trafficking and heard the the horrific abuse that they have undergone. But I've also been very fortunate to see like what the restorative care process can do in helping these individuals really find their autonomy, find their self-worth and and you know, be, be on that path to, to restoration, but you know many of them share stories of encountering law enforcement and being mislabeled or misidentified. Not not recognizing them as a survivor of human trafficking, but rather labeling them as as a prostitute or an offender. Right. Yeah. So there's a whole body of research around uh, sort of this victim-offender victim offender intersectionality uh, shared hope international has done some some great work uh, on that issue but really understanding that so often when victims are labeled as offenders not only does it create just that personal struggle to recognize and to find ways to exit that exploitive situation and it it helps kind of reinforce that mental manipulation of the trafficker themselves, but it also creates other barriers like criminal records and, um, you know, other situations and scenarios where that survivor or at the time that person being victimized, you know, has to overcome things that society has put in place to hold them in that situation, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, for sure. And I I can only imagine the amount of rehabilitation that has to take place. And but I think, again, to your point, um, just changing our mentality or changing our viewpoint of prostitution and really understanding that a large percentage of, of those individuals who have been prostituted are, are who are prost- in prostitution have been or are victims of human trafficking. Do you know the percentage of that off the top of your head, Bill, what the percentages of individuals who have been, who are in prostitution, who have been trafficked?
1: You know the you, when we start talking about numbers and statistics in the trafficking space, you know we always want to caveat it with there's no perfect numbers because a lot of a lot of those that have endured trafficking have never actually been identified. Uh, Department of State estimates that it's less than one percent of right. those individuals, but some estimates suggest that ninety seven percent of all persons engaged in commercial sex, whether being trafficked currently, or if they're they're consenting, have been trafficked, exploited, or abused at some point. So it just goes to show that, you know, so many of these individuals are deserving of taking that victim-centered, that person-centered, trauma-informed approach when it comes to interaction. That's something that we we really stress when we are, you know training other individuals, particularly law enforcement or service providers that are going to have a lot of direct contact or interaction with a survivor of trafficking, is to really be able to understand the trauma that they have experienced and how that trauma impacts their life, their 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 perception of individuals, particularly uh, persons in authority. I think one of the most, challenging things for people to understand is when we're out here talking about how horrific human trafficking is, the fact that these are not individuals that are picking up the phone and calling 911 and saying, please come come save me, I'm being victimized. That really goes to that trauma informed approach and understanding how that mental manipulation and coercion impacts a way that a person sees themselves. It's very much similar to domestic violence, which I think that we have a a better understanding of now in in today's day and age. And statistics around domestic violence suggest that the abused uh, spouse will return to their abuser at least seven times before they're in a position to actually exit that situation or, or recognize that the abuse is happening. And I think that just goes to the way that our brains work and and that survival instinct that a lot of us have that drives that response. And that's exactly the same sort of response that prevents trafficking victims from being able to pick up the phone and call 911.
0: For sure. And I, I think you and I were part of a, a town hall recently where we had survivors speak and, and she mentioned that she was a little sassy. I think was the word that she yeah. used when when she interacted with um, law enforcement officers. And I think that that's that was just such a great point that she made. That a lot of victims at the time of human trafficking they may come across as sassy. So I mean, how do you prepare? What's you know what would you think? Say the best um, approaches to prepare law enforcement officers for. Uh, for dealing with those scenarios and and how to deal with that, quote unquote, sassiness or, or folks that may not even recognize that they're being trafficked, right? Because that happens often as well.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is recognition, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's making sure that these individuals can recognize the situation for what it is. They can recognize what's happening and then we train them on how to be responsive to that so that they understand. Look, like law enforcement has a job to do. We we all get that and understand it. And their job is to investigate crime, right? To determine if a crime has happened. And if so, you know, how do you respond to that? And but but understanding the trauma and how it impacts the person and readjusting or rethinking how you approach that situation uh, can can completely change the outcome. In fact, the International Association of Chiefs of Police launched a training series uh, several years ago that taught what they called the three R's. And essentially it taught law enforcement to recognize, rethink, and respond. And so essentially what that means is that we want to be able to recognize indicators of trafficking not 100% sure that it's trafficking but just recognize that there might be indicators in that situation and then we want to rethink rethink our approach oftentimes law enforcement are encountering survivors or those that are being victimized by trafficking they're encountering them in you know some other type of scenario whether it's a narcotics violation or a noise complaint or a domestic dispute or something of that nature right we want them to recognize indicators and then rethink their response, right? How is it that I can deal with why I'm here but also at the same time rethink that maybe there is also a victim here as well, right? And then respond. How do we respond appropriately? Oftentimes it's, it's simply calling out somebody that's specialized in this area to be able to interact or engage with uh that survivor and really work with them to understand what's happening.
0: I think that's great and and I'm happy to know that they are taking approach you know as pointed approach to training officers in that in that ma- manner because I think it's very important. As you know my husband's a police officer and um and he has mentioned in the past he, he definitely thinks there needs to be more official training for law enforcement around this topic. You started working with with gangs and how they contribute to human trafficking, but um, you've done a lot of other interesting things within within the human trafficking topic. So, tell me a little bit more about that, if you if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, I've really been fortunate in my career and and presented with um, some really unique opportunities, and and certainly have appreciated those. Um, you know, law enforcement, of course. And after recognizing that first case of human trafficking, really shifting my focus and was able to be the lead detective and and co-director of the Northern Virginia Human Trafficking Task Force, which was a federally funded task force for several years, and also serving as a task force officer with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, as well as uh, Homeland Security Investigations. And that was really a great exposure to cases, not just in my own area, but cases across the United States and even working some transnational cases as well. And so from there, uh, I also, during that time period, founded a nonprofit, the Just Ask Prevention Project, and was able to, to run a nonprofit for several years and have that perspective, work alongside many different service provider organizations work on the prevention front, and so really have just had this this incredible opportunity to be well-rounded and well-versed in in so many different aspects of of trafficking. I was uh, asked to join the U.S. Department of Justice as the Director of Human Trafficking Programs, where I saw um, the DOJ's efforts at the state and local level uh, to combat human trafficking, and managed a considerable budget of grant money to support those efforts. Uh, also served as acting director of the Office for Victims of Crime to to oversee all crime victims programs in the United States, and um, also uh, was uh, on on detail to the White House and served as special advisor to the White House for human trafficking and exploitation. So it's been a it's been an incredible ride. Uh, That's amazing. Really enjoyed those those opportunities and really thankful for this, this current chapter of my career at the Wolf Group, where we get to partner with great organizations like eTactics to support training frontline professionals. We support other nonprofit organizations in finding grant money and really enhancing and increasing their social impact. And then working with uh, some other groups on ensuring that Good legislation and policy is being put in place by our federal government as well as state governments to really have again that that social impact and just making communities better and safer for everyone.
0: Well, I think it's great all of the work that you've done, and and I also think it's beneficial for folks to know what makes you really the expert in this space, and and we are just blessed to work alongside um, with of you and and the Wolf Group and and partner with with your team. I think it's it's been super beneficial um, for us to learn about this and to create training for folks like law enforcement and and hoteliers and I I think it's again it goes back to the fact that it's going to take every every sector around us to to combat this this topic. So just kind of quickly um, I think statistics are important because I think for me it wasn't something that I really understood how vast human trafficking is, uh, not just in the United States, but worldwide. So um, before we close, do you mind just kind of giving some high-level statistics on, on human trafficking?
1: Yeah, human trafficking is the second largest criminal enterprise in the world, and it generates over $150 billion in illicit profits worldwide. In the United States, sex trafficking alone generates about $9.8 billion annually in illicit profits, and the ILO just came out with some recent prevalence estimates that suggest that there are upwards of 50 million slaves around the world today. That is an incredible number, more slaves today than any time in history, and those are people that are being exploited in human trafficking scenarios. So this is a major problem. It's a major issue. And as I mentioned before, of those 50 million, collectively, frontline professionals are only identifying less than 1% of them. So there is a lot of room to do better. Uh, There's a lot of room to, uh, to implement good, solid training to be able to effectively identify and respond to these suspected cases of human trafficking.
0: I think that's, that's a great point. And, and just to know that it's, it's so vast and that it, it could happen, you know, and likely is happening in our own neighborhoods and what we can do to recognize that. I think we'll, we'll definitely dive into this more as, as we continue um, with our podcast and we hope you have enjoyed listening to us. I know I have really enjoyed listening to Bill. I always do. I think he's such a wealth of knowledge and his his life is just a testament to working for others and being selfless and you know bill bill isn't alone in this he has a a beautiful family that backs him and and i think you know all of these things are very important you know to notate that that bill is is really don't just dedicating his life to um, combating human trafficking so anything else you'd like to discuss bill before we sign off here
1: no, it's it's always great being with you, Lindsay, and, and talking through these things and you know just love the love the conversation and love the opportunity to you know just to spread the word and spread awareness of this this issue.
0: For sure, for sure. And and just to let you know, we will host some survivors of human trafficking. We will do some interviews with different professionals, law enforcement, healthcare, um hoteliers, and you know, we will definitely continue to speak with Bill as as we go through this process of creating a podcast, but we're excited to have everyone join us and listen in. So thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. Thank you.